0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 377 of the Juice Box Podcast. On today's show, we're going to be speaking with Justin. He's 40 years old and he's had type 1 diabetes for 40 years. Justin's here to talk about his life with type 1 that includes some retinopathy and neuropathy. His message is uplifting and his path is much improved. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Hey, do you have a great endocrinologist or are you looking for one? Check out juiceboxdocs.com, my website where listeners of the podcast share their great practitioners. And it's also the same website, where they sent me their great practitioner. So if you have one, check it out and send it over. If you're looking for one, the list grows every day. So we might just have something for you. JuiceboxDocs.com, of course, is a free service of the podcast, as is DiabetesProTip.com. Are you looking for all of the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes in one place? DiabetesProTip.com. They're also here in your podcast app, and they started episode 210. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Meter, Meter, Meter. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Please go to contournext.com forward slash to learn more about the Contour Next One. The show is also brought to you by TouchedByType1.org. Head over to touchedbytype One. They're a great diabetes organization doing wonderful things. They have a ton of programs. One of them might be right for you. Touched by type1.org.
1: My name is Justin Lemon. I am a 40 year diabetic, type 1, currently on the Omnipod and the Dexcom system. My hometown's right in the middle of Wyoming, a little town called Lander. It has about 8,000 people in it. I'm currently down in uh, the capital, uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, so do work down here, and that's me.
0: How old are you, Justin?
1: Oh, I'm 40 years old.
0: And you said you were diagnosed four years ago?
1: Uh, no, I've been, I've been type 1 diabetic since I was six months old.
0: Oh my gosh, you said 40 years ago.
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, all right. So you've had diabetes pretty much your entire life.
1: My whole life, yes.
0: And you live, have you lived in Wyoming that entire time?
1: I moved from, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona. I was diagnosed down there and then uh, my mom moved us back home uh to lander and i've been there ever since yes
0: do you have any idea how old you were when you moved back
1: i was five years old so i've been here 35 years this is perfect
0: justin i am thrilled to speak with you
1: well it's great to speak with you too i've heard i've listened to almost every one of your podcasts so this is an honor
0: oh no please the honor is mine thank you i really appreciate you doing this and especially because you're going to come from you know a bit of a different perspective than a lot of people have in a lot of ways you know Um, I I guess my first question for you is when were you first aware that you had diabetes? What's your earliest remembrance of it?
1: I knew I was diabetic. I mean, about the time I was five, um, I used to run away from my mom as she'd come and try to give me my shots for the day. Mm -hmm. So I was really uh, horrified of needles back then. So, um, that's, that's a memory that sticks to my head.
0: So she's, she'd been doing it for a long time, but once you got mobile and a little more aware of what was happening, you tried to escape.
1: Yeah. Once I could, once I could, once I was mobile, I could run.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm assuming you said your daily shots, So you were probably getting something in the daytime and maybe at mealtime?
1: Yes. I was at that point, I was getting two shots a day, morning and evening. Um, I was on, humulin R and humulin N, N and, R. R and N. Um, N at the time. Yeah. So a fast acting and a slower. Yeah. Did
0: you ever speak to your mom about what it was like to raise you with the diabetes?
1: Um, yeah, the, the early part of my life was a struggle. Um, when I was diagnosed, my glucose levels were about 800 and something. So, um, A lot of headaches, a lot of screaming and crying as a kid. Um, She couldn't take me out to eat dinner out in public like that because all I do is scream and holler and and cry a lot. So um, it was a difficult time for her, for sure.
0: Do you think that your blood sugars were like crazy out of whack?
1: I think so, with the technology back then, you know the shots and and maybe checking glucose four or five times a day. I really didn't have or she didn't have control over it, but um it was just you know technology at that point hadn't caught up
0: was what it was do you have mm-hmm. um have you ever gone back and looked at old looked at old medical records?
1: um, I have not actually, that would be a good thing to
0: do It's interesting, like I just wondered like what was what was the goal back then? And did your mom feel like she was meeting a goal or was she just doing what she could do? Like trying to like hold water back with her hands kind of a thing.
1: Yeah. I think she was just trying to maintain because I mean, she was a single mother with two boys. So um, she had to deal with both of us. So I think she did what she could to try to make life as normal as possible for me. Yeah,
0: I'm sure she did. It's just, it's fascinating to have, this perspective now, like 2020, looking back 40 years. Um, oh yeah, you know, and being able to talk to somebody who's also young enough to be able to articulate it, old enough to have had the experience. Um, it's just, it's really interesting. How involved was your mother throughout the process?
1: Like um, was, she was there. Was, an age she- where you were just on your own. Uh, let's see. I started about eight or nine years old. I started giving my own shots. Um, so I would drop my insulin and I'd have her look at my insulin to make sure, or look at my needle to make sure everything was correct. And then I, uh, just gave my own shots at that point.
0: Okay. And did you do it pretty faithfully or were there times that you kind of abandoned it or do you remember?
1: No, at that point, you know, being diabetic my whole life, I I really didn't see it as uh, a different lifestyle. It's the only thing I grew up with, so the only thing I really knew. So I just knew it had to be done and and just kind of took over at that point. No
0: rebellion against it at all at any point?
1: No, and I'm still not that way. Even today, you know, how you can get like a diabetes burnout and stuff like that. It's just, it's really not there for me. I just... try to find ways to solve the problem instead of, um, let it get to me. So I'm, um, I'm, uh,
0: looking at residential property in Cheyenne, Wyoming right now, and it's it's more expensive there than I thought it was going to be. I was very uh, snobby, I guess when I looked.
1: (laughs) Right. It's, it's very expensive. We have a military base around here and, uh, everybody knows what uh, the military housing stipend is. So, that uh, uh, increases is. prices around here.
0: No, okay. oh, oh, they can price the houses to how much money they know you have.
1: That's, oh, yeah. yeah that's yep.
0: interesting. Yeah, I'm sure everybody tries that, but that's really interesting. Anyway, I'm uh, currently well, we're looking... like. Oops, sorry. No, no, please. Uh,
1: uh, we're currently like an hour and a half out of Denver. So, I mean, we're right next to the city for the most part. Gotcha.
0: Oh, so you're getting rural without being too far from the city.
1: Right. <laughs> that's
0: why I'm looking at a $500,000 house. It's only one level, uh, and seems right. kind of small. Actually, that's interesting. All right, I'll stop doing that now. Um, <laughs> when, oh, I have a lot of questions. I guess how was dating in high school?
1: Um, well, I mean, even even past high school datings, it's a challenge at times. Uh, a lot of uh, educating my girlfriends or. Um they they didn't understand some of the issues that I was going through, like when my glucose would go low, or if they were high and I'd have a, a change in personality, so to speak, get more angry or or stuff like that. Um I think that a lot of my girlfriends just couldn't wrap their head around it.
0: Mm-hmm. It's gotta be difficult. I mean, honestly. And did you spend time educating them about it or Did that sort of not exist, that ability?
1: Oh, yeah. That's something my mom had put into my head my whole life. Like, let everybody know you're diabetic. Everybody you work with knows you're diabetic. That way, if something does go wrong, at least they know um, that I am diabetic. And and to go down those avenues first instead of, like, you
0: know, wondering why why is Justin not standing up anymore? At least. So your mom's plan basically was at least when nine one one comes, there'll be 50 people yelling. He has diabetes. That's right. Yep. (laughs) Gotcha. Well, probably pretty good. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: Um, so is it, did you find somebody eventually who jived with you having diabetes? I guess I'm asking if you're married or you have been.
1: Um, no, no, currently single. Um, and that's, it's kind of uh, in the later part of my life now. It's it's a little bit scary to be alone, you know, with diabetes, because mm-hmm. I'd like to have that backing of knowing that someone was there if something was to happen. But um, pretty self sufficient, so I try to do things to where I'm always around a group of people, or I'm with people that know what's going on, to where um, if something were to happen, then they could help out.
0: So now being honest, Justin, would you say that diabetes has interfered with romantic relationships, or do you think that your situation would be similar without it?
1: Well, it's yeah, it's a good question because uh um some of the stuff I wanted to talk about today, like uh diabetic neuropathy and stuff, yes, it, it does um cause some issues in relationships today. Mm-hmm. But I think with, uh, with open dialogue and stuff with, with my partners, then uh, um, we can work around anything, you know? Okay. So, so
0: yeah, that's the goal, right? Um, when did you begin to pump?
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> so I got on my first insulin pump in 1998, and I've been on one ever since. Uh, I went for uh, tubed pumps at first. And the DEXCOM system wasn't out at that point. So or at least wasn't available to me at that point. So um I don't know, the early years on the pump, I, I really don't count just because the DEXCOM has really brought it full circle for me to be able to track everything. Yeah.
0: so that time probably wasn't much better than injecting. I'm assuming you were doing MDI at some point, right? You got off the the N and R and you were using the the newer insulins.
1: Yep. Uh, at that point, I switched in '98. I switched uh, to uh, Humalog right. and then Novolog, um, depending on my insurance, of course. But
0: you did that first insulin for 19 years, then. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, and how did you? Did it feel like starting over when you change? Just the insulin change. I'm wondering
1: about. Uh, the insulin change. It, it took a minute to shift over to have my body um, get used to it. Uh, yeah, I was. I can't tell you the the time frame in there. I, I don't really remember. But the hardest part for me was the uh, counting carbs. So when you when you go out to eat or whatever. Um, when I was in college and I went out to eat and. You just kind of didn't know by looking at it um, what kind of insulin you needed or or that kind of stuff. So that was, that was a bit of a challenge. But um, dialing that in, that was my saving grace for the most part. Yeah. Did
0: you have, um, I guess, did you start off aggressively or more cautiously when you switched to the rapid acting? Did like, I'm wondering if you had a bunch of lows or if you took your time learning
1: about it. I did have a bunch of lows, but it wasn't because I was aggressive. It was just because of the switch in insulin. So, I mean, I would hit 80 and and then it'd go from 80 to like 46 in a matter of 15 minutes, you know? So I was just, it it was a real hard transition and it it pretty much wiped my body out for a minute. But, um, after I got, Oh, used sorry. to it? it uh, no, that's all right. Um, After I got used to it, it was a blessing in disguise, I guess you'd say.
0: Would you say that you weren't thrilled about it at first, or you were excited for it?
1: I was excited to go on a pump. Um, I was giving so many shots that it was deteriorating my muscle. So, like, the back of my arms looked like uh, craters on the moon because my muscle was deteriorating, and it, it just looked awful. Hey.
0: Has that cleared up?
1: Yes, oh, definitely.
0: That's exciting. Good for you. Um, all right. So you're putting insulin in, and you don't really know what you're doing still. Like, you're testing with meters, which is, you know, what you had. Um, right. And you're in a college age at that point. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And so how long did that – how long was that your life?
1: Um. Let's see. I got – I got on a Dexcom about four years ago now. So I had spent from like 98 till 2016 without a Dexcom. Uh, And at that point I had, I realized that I needed to check my glucose more. So I was giving probably 14, 15 finger sticks a day to test my glucose levels. And, uh, once I found the Dexcom, I was like, "Oh, no more finger pricks! All right, this is great."
0: And even with those that many sticks, you were still having issues. So, what was your what was your A one C as an adult during that time?
1: Oh, uh, uh, that's a good question. I was sitting in the mid to upper sixes, so six point five to six point eight, which is
0: really very good. Were you experiencing a lot of lows along with that, or?
1: Um, I do. And that's, uh, um, I had listened to in one of your podcasts, you know, your A1C is the average of the, you know, three months or whatever. And it was hard because I'd, I'd have a lot of highs and I'd have a lot of lows, but it was averaging out and making my A1C look good. And, and that wasn't really what I was looking for. Yeah, I wanted I the happy medium.
0: Well, yeah, you need the stability for certain, but I'm just, I'm interested in hearing right. the story about you coming to that conclusion. I'm wondering how you're, well, I guess I don't know. How frequently did you see an endocrinologist?
1: Oh, you're, great question. Um, I've got my first endocrinologist now uh, appointment in April, and I haven't had one for 20 years. My mom had taken me to the Barber Davis Center in Denver when I was a uh, teenager. Mm-hmm. But after that, I really just learned everything I could off the Internet.
0: Where did you get your prescriptions from?
1: Uh, just our, our local doctor in town.
0: And he was completely comfortable doing that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so that was like um, a normal
0: thing is what I'm getting at.
1: Right, and they, they don't know. I mean, at this point, I know more about diabetes than most of them did. So um, they would just kind of go off what I would say, talk to him about, look, I'm getting highs and lows and... Not being able to figure it out, none of the none of my doctors could answer any of those questions. That's why I turned to the internet. Mainly, it's because I wanted answers to the questions I couldn't find answers for.
0: Is this partly so? I'm a little stuck. Like it's my inclination to say, is this because of where you live? But you're also close to Denver, so you're not completely rural. But are there just not a ton of endocrinologists clamoring to be endocrinologists in Wyoming, or?
1: Well, the, there like are itself? in. Sh- There are in Cheyenne down here, and I've been down here about a year now. But in Lander, it was when I was growing up, there was 6,000 people in my town. And now there's only about 8,000 people, and there's no endocrinologist there at all. I have to drive two and a half hours to see an endocrinologist. So um, it just didn't happen.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm just trying to – you know, it's funny because some people listen – you know, I see the map where people listen and people listen in every state in the country and all over the world, actually, but it's, um, it's more every, it's more concentrated on the coasts a little bit.
1: And I know
0: there's more people there, but there's still, it's disproportionate that there's more in some places. And I'm always talking behind the scenes with people about, you know, we have to go to places where they don't have care like this and talk to them. So, you know, it was funny when, um, like, I'm trying to get something together in Iowa right now. And okay. I was just in Oklahoma recently. And it's funny because these, these smaller places that think of themselves as, I don't know, I, I guess I can't put myself in their shoes, but a lot of them start the conversations with, like, I'm really, uh, we're grateful you're considering coming here. And the first couple of times it was said to me, it threw me off. And I was like, why, why, right. why are you grateful? Like, what does that mean? You know, like, what's... And then I realized that, you know, even like speakers or stuff like they don't get people coming there. And, right. and, I, and I just said to my wife, I'm like, I think that what the podcast has taught me is that this information in people's hands is valuable. And the sooner they have it, the better. But some of them are disconnected from, I mean, listen, it's hard to find people who understand podcasts still. There's a lot of them. But, right. you know, to find a person who says, oh, I know what to do. I'll get a podcast app and I'll do this. And I, I it's. It's not that well understood still. It's growing, but not that well understood. My idea is to go to places like Iowa or Wyoming or those kinds of places, have a conversation with a few hundred people and light a fire so that maybe then they start talking to each other or speaking back to their doctors and that the idea that you don't have to be at the, at the will of your, you know, your blood sugar is, um, you know, is real my daughter's sending me a text that I don't understand.
1: Uh-oh. This is going to be fun. <laughs> are glucose all right?
0: No, no, no. She says, are you here? And I said, why? And I have a horrible feeling she's about to tell me she has a half day and I didn't know it.
1: <laughs>
0: Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, I probably shouldn't be in charge of humans.
1: Oh, no, when school
0: is over. Oh. Get a ride. Let's see what happens.
1: tell her you'll get her an uber it's it's
0: it's not a far walk it's just a little too far away right
1: well do you need to hang up we can we can get back at it and are you after you grab your daughter
0: do you have like if if this went over 10 minutes from what we were thinking about would that be okay oh
1: yeah no you're fine all right hold on a second let me see
0: if she can get a ride first and then uh we'll do this people are like i can't believe i listened to this guy about insulin (laughs) He can't even,
1: he doesn't even know where he's I love it. (laughs) This has been, I mean, your podcast has been like golden nuggets for me. I mean, it's changed my life because it's finally someone that talks about insulin pumps and, you know, a a day in the life of someone on an insulin pump. So it's Um, been really helpful for me.
0: And so is that the first thing that it helped you with is just like an idea of community people speaking about the things you want to talk about that you just can't find in your personal life.
1: That's exactly it. And, you know, cause I was still seeing when I, the early years on the, or that, uh, when I had the Dexcom finally, and I was on the Omnipod, you guys talking about you talking about what you did to help your daughter out and pre, like stuff like pre-bolusing before you eat and, and letting your glucose go down before you actually start to eat. Like I, I would have never known um, had I not listened to your podcast. I mean, there's only so much you can really find on the Internet. So, right.
0: so Justin, let me ask you something, because you had it happen to you for so very long when you mm-hmm. watch the same thing happen over and over again every day. And it didn't occur to you to just try something different like i'm not it's not a an admonishment of you. I'm trying to figure out like do you just feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and what's happening is what's supposed to happen
1: i I really wasn't happy with the outcomes I was seeing, mm-hmm. so I wanted to do something to change that outcome, and I didn't want to do the same repetitive like let's just continue doing the same thing, and then hearing you say, "Be bold with insulin, that was just okay, well. Let's try it, you know, like I'll keep extra food on hand just in case I go low, but let's let's see what I can do here and let's actually test the parameters of the insulin and, and see what I can, see what the insulin does and how it works and what I need to do to adjust that to fit my lifestyle.
0: That makes me happy, Justin. I, I appreciate that that struck you that way and that you you gave it a chance. That's a big, did it feel like a big leap to just use a bunch more insulin?
1: It did because I was at that point I was like, okay, so it's uh, one unit of insulin for every 15 grams of carbs. And so I was following the the protocol and and things weren't working out. So I was like, well, let me try this or let me adjust basal rates a little bit or let me increase my basal rate for that uh, the next hour or two hours or decrease it so just trying to tailor it to my body because you know when you go high or go low you just don't feel right so i was sick and tired of not feeling good
0: yeah okay i'm interested about how your doctors reacted when you or or was there not did they not notice because i guess your a1c is not bad but your variability is probably much better now
1: Yes, it is definitely better. Um, with the doctors that I have in town, they really weren't that in depth on diabetes. Hmm. So I didn't, I really couldn't talk to them about that. So, so, um,
0: so you really haven't had to, an ability to like celebrate this with anybody then, right?
1: No, no, this is like this is it. hooray for me, pat on the back, like you did a good job, let's continue to move forward. This is
0: Justin's diabetes coming out party we're having today, just, just the two of us, right? yeah, oh that's really, boy I'll tell you what, that's super interesting isn't it, because people who live in more metropolitan areas are surrounded by doctors, you hear people all the time say oh I didn't like my endo, so I went and found another one, which I think is great, except there's actually another one for them to go find. But but many people in the country and around the world, they don't have that same opportunity to just to go doctor shopping, I guess.
1: Right. I mean, and and for me, I mean, like I said, it's been 20 years since I've had an Indo, and I'm I'm excited. I don't even know what to expect. Like when I go in, I, I really don't know what to what to expect from an Indo anymore. So
0: what does your data tell you your A1C is?
1: Um, as of right now, I'm sitting at a six point one, and that's from, oops, from the charts that I've seen, but uh, off of my uh, clarity, clarity app. Up, yeah, I'm, ass- I'm
0: assuming the endo is just going to look at you and treat you like you're a great guy and give you your prescriptions and send you on your way. He's probably not going to feel like he has a he or she's going to have a thing in the world to tell you.
1: Well, there is. There's a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, I have diabetic retinopathy, so I've been getting uh, the PRP laser and the injections in my eyes. Okay. Uh, So I have questions for him on that and different but, things that I want to talk about that, and then the diabetic neuropathy stuff. Um,
0: well, get, get your I'm money's noticing... worth out of them, for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: definitely. So you have vision issues? Yes, I do. Okay. And then... Uh, You were about to say there's something else as well.
1: Um, The last few years, I've noticed uh, the diabetic neuropathy. So I'm I'm losing like sensation. Like I took a chainsaw to the knee a couple years ago, and I didn't even feel it. I hiked out of the backcountry and took myself to the hospital, and they were floored that I could walk into the hospital and actually tell them that I needed help. So. No um, it's that stuff. It's really scary. Cause I spend a lot of time in the back country, snowboarding in the winter and whatnot. So I don't want to have it to where, you know, I think it's just me being cold and my glucose is just plummeted or, so and I, I really can't feel stuff. And
0: do you, you, know,
1: do you I don't, um
0: attribute these things to basically the care you had in the beginning of your life?
1: Yeah, I think that since technology wasn't there and, you know, my mom did everything she could do to, you know. to keep me on a norm. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, I mean, modern technology is, is the key to diabetes right now.
0: I think so, too. Hey, let's take a detour for a second. What kind of work sure. do you
1: do? Um, right now, I'm I'm an auditor for uh, the state of Wyoming. Uh, I contract for the federal government to do royalty audits. Um for oil and natural gas so i've got an office job now
0: (laughs) i was just like trying to wonder why you were chainsawing somewhere near nothing but that's just i can't understand wyoming probably in my head
1: (laughs) well that was that was a little uh uh, side hustle i guess you'd say i i was doing it to make a little bit of extra income back then
0: gotcha gotcha all right i'm just like is he Mm -hmm. snowboarding with a chainsaw i i don't think no no it's a wyoming thing i don't get (laughs)
1: Um, we're not that, we're not that off keel.
0: (laughs) I, I'm telling you, my wife and I sat around last night for about an hour, um, just searching out rural land with a house on it. We didn't even know what state to look in. We were just looking all over the country. We're like, this one's nice. This one's nice. Uh, trying to, uh, imagine getting away from where there are so many people. Um, but
1: I, I can't even imagine.
0: You know, have and, you do you leave Wyoming much, or have you ever?
1: Um, I do. I like to travel. I mean, I've been all around the world, but I I really haven't been to the East Coast much. Yeah, like, it's just, there's so many, and people. I know that's where most of the population is at and is on the East Coast. So. Right,
0: right. Now, if I could, um, I can step into my backyard and with a baseball, I could probably hit one, two, three, four, five. Oh, My son, my son could, my son could probably hit about eight houses with a baseball from my backyard, like in all, oh, different, wow. in all different directions. That probably sounds crazy to you that too.
1: So I do live in town, but, um, my, my home is, is right in town, but, uh, I'm 10 minutes away from national forest. So by, at that point you barely see anybody out there.
0: What are the winters like there? Are they really rough?
1: it can be um down in cheyenne we've got the wind it's it's the wind tunnel on interstate 80 so uh there's a lot of wind down here there's probably three or four inches of snow on the ground right now mm-hmm. um, that happened last night but uh, for the most part i mean decent winters i mean we don't see in my hometown i mean there'll be maybe a week during the winter that it's below zeros for the most part part but i have seen 40 below oh my god out here <laughs> how, far, how far
0: in, in there? i guess Denver is your airport right from where where you
1: live yes okay yep all
0: right so so i want to hear a little more about the, how the retinopathy affects your life like day to day um especially is it tactile in your hands your feet like is it everywhere let's head over to contournext.com forward slash juicebox together it pops up. What do I see first? The Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Hyper accuracy, hypo price. See what they did there? Hyper hypo. Like the accuracy is high and the price is low. Y- you get it. You can get the number one branded over-the-counter test strip at an affordable price. Cash or copay. Remarkable accuracy and an affordable price for the Contour Next test strips may be less expensive than your insurance copay. And it's worth comparing. Head over to contournext.com forward slash juicebox to find out more. When you get there, you're going to see that this meter is what's well, Arden's meter. You're going to look right at it and go, that's the meter Arden uses. I find it to be incredibly accurate. Have a bright, strong light for nighttime viewing. It fits well in my hand and in Arden's. And it has that second chance test strip, right? You can touch the blood, not get enough, go back, get what you need without Ruining the test strip, and you still get an accurate reading. This meter is the bee's knees. Do you understand? That's a saying from like the 20s, I think, but yet it holds true. There's even an app if you want to use it to help you make sense of those blood glucose numbers, and that app, of course, is available for free for Android or iPhone. Now I'm going to spend just a second seeing what the heck "bee's knees" means. A highly admired person or thing. The cat's meow, even. Well, I don't like that. I like bee's knees. Okay. While you're on that internet, check out touchedbytype1.org because they may have programs that you're interested in. Touchedbytype1.org. Actually, find them on Facebook or Instagram because the founder is super pregnant and she's adorable. Check out her pictures. Elizabeth is about ready to have her first baby. So maybe you'll uh, find that on Instagram or Facebook, Touched by Type 1. No pressure, Elizabeth, but Scott is a terrific name for a baby. Last thing, T1D Exchange, right? If you're looking to support type 1 diabetes research in an anonymous way, it's 100% HIPAA compliant, will not take more than 10 minutes of your time. And it's not asking deeply probing questions, but the information will be taken to do something amazing with. This is what you're looking for. And it supports the podcast. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice I took the survey in about 10 minutes, 7 to 10 minutes, I think. I took it as uh, the parent of a child with type 1. You do have to be a U.S. resident, uh, but it can be for you, the adult with type 1, or if you're the parent of a child, either or can do it. Then once a year, they'll come back, ask you a few other kind of update questions. But other than that, that's it. And you're going to do good. This research has been used to change ADA requirements for A1C. It's been used to uh, get CGM for Medicare patients. It's been used for really cool stuff. So if you want to improve the lives of type ones and you want to support the podcast, t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Like I said, super anonymous, HIPAA compliant. You'll never have to go to a doctor's office or visit a site. It's just an easy way to give back. You know, before we get back to the show, I have to admit something. This is the first time I've lied in an ad. Scott is not a great name for a baby. I want to hear a little more about the, how the retinopathy affects your life.
1: Um, well, the, the retinopathy, uh, it affected my peripheral vision. So the laser, I, I can see about twenty twenty through the main focal point of my eye. But as you get off into the peripheral, I, I'm not able to see very well anymore. Okay. Um, of course, like night driving and glares from lights and stuff like that affect my eyes quite a bit.
0: Has there been any um, improvement with any of your symptoms since you've got your stability better and and the variability of your blood sugar has lessened?
1: Um, it has. Well,
0: not that you could re- reverse it. Yeah, but, I'm but just I think that's when the
1: right. Well, I think that I mean I've I've kind of hit that plateau to where everything's like starting to come into a norm and my vision's getting better but i mean even last year i spent oh a month month and a half without vision in my left eye all i could see was a blood splot so um i had those capillaries bursting and, and bleeding in my eye so um Is the, it's more helping? the laser helps uh it affects my vision but the laser helps and the shots let the swelling go down from the laser. So then I mean it, it takes a round of shots in my eyes after that to be able to actually see really well again. So but the I second think for person
0: them, Justin I've ever spoken to who's gotten a shot in their eye. Can you tell me what it feels like?
1: Um for the most part you don't feel it because they numb you up pretty good with drops and then they'll give you a numbing shot. Um it's weird though, because a couple of times, you know, it, it feels like it pops, like you're poking a needle into a ball. You can feel that layer go through. So, uh-huh.
0: Justin, you just sent a tingle right up my center of my <laughs> spine. Uh, word "pop" is what got me. In case you're wondering, right?
1: Well, oh, yeah. Well, I'd rather have the shots than the laser, because the laser treatment is just—it's frightening. It really is when you're going through it. How so? Um the bright light flashing when the laser hits your eyes, uh, in the beginning, I felt it. I mean, they strap your head into a machine to where sometimes like it feels like the laser hits the back of your head and it yanks your head back. And, and this is, I'm all numb Yeah. and from shots and everything. So I'm not feeling it, but the laser like in my head is causing my body to move in ways that I, I didn't, like want it to so that's right um,
0: i am sorry you're, that that's part of your your reality that that is that's terrible i hope very much that that story becomes less and less as the technology becomes more and more available for people you know right i think the next bridge right. really is cost right like it has to get to a place where any, yep. anybody can afford to have it
1: mm-hmm. you got to hit that equilibrium to yeah. to cost and what patients will be able to afford you yep. know so
0: well it's a i mean is it one of those things like if i went back in time and i found you in your 30s and i said listen you're probably gonna have side effects from this diabetes but i can give you this thing but you're gonna have to pay cash for it like do you think back then you would have been able to make the leap for that
1: um i i would have made it happen I mean, I I worked on a drilling rig, so I was making enough money at that point to where I can afford uh, uh, these.
0: You could have done it. Yeah. yeah. Sort of what I'm getting at is like, there are people now, I mean, listen, it's very expensive. There's going to be plenty of people who can't afford it out of pocket one way or the other. But right now someone's listening who could do it out of pocket and isn't. And I'm wondering if, I talk to those people 20 years from now, if they're going to say, I wish I would have dug into my pocket and bought this thing. Like I'm trying to figure well, out, you know,
1: it's one of those things, especially with your eyes. Like if I will do whatever it takes to not go blind. Yeah, so whether that be finding the money to pay for the treatment or, uh finding ways to better control my glucose or anything, whatever it takes I would do to to have a better lifestyle.
0: Yeah. No, I mean vision's just it's it's one of those things, right? You know.
1: It's scary. Yeah. When when you have capillaries burst in your eye and, and you can't see anything but a red splotch, uh that's when you realize like I need to I need to do whatever it takes to make this better.
0: Yeah. Um Jeez. I think Arden's actually home, by the way.
1: Oh, good. (laughs) Look at her. I was going to ask if she found a ride. I was
0: wondering. I actually just did find my iPhone to see where she was, and it says she's here. Yeah, she's home. Oh, cool. Cool. Um, My son at that age would have had a stroke if I was like, just find your own way home. (laughs) He was a different kind of person. He would have been like, I can't believe you've abandoned me here. I will not embarrass him and tell you a story about once when I asked him to cross the street uh, because you've probably fought a uh, grizzly bear and you would find this story very embarrassing. Um, <laughs> so I, won't do that. I,
1: I, got, you got I do things too that that are like way outside of what my norm would be. You know, I get scared <laughs> during times, but do you think that's because your daughter had diabetes? Do you think that's why she's a little more, she's a little um, more
0: like me. My son's a little right. more like my daughter, uh, or like mm-hmm. my wife. Well, that was a Freudian slip. I'm imagining. Um, and, uh, <laughs> And uh, he just is a little more reserved. And things he hadn't done before, okay. he wouldn't he wouldn't just jump into. He's so much different now. He's going to be 20 in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him do a half a dozen things in the last six months that he oh, wow, cool. never would have done before. So um, he grew out of it. But there was oh, a good. time when he was younger. Wow, this, this story actually has to do with me not understanding his schedule, too. Um, there was <laughs> a time when he was younger when after school, he went with a bunch of friends to a restaurant. And they walked walked to it. And while they were there, I realized that he had an orthodontist appointment uh, that I had forgotten about. And (laughs) right when I remembered it, there was still time for him to get there. And the ortho appointment was quite literally across the street from where he was. Now, it's a traffic light with, you know, two lanes of traffic. So I said Mm -hmm. to him, I'll meet you at the doctor's office. But I can't get to you in time to get to the doctor's office. But you can get to the doctor's office. And I was like, so just go. And he goes, how am I going to do that? I'm like, go to the traffic light, wait for it to turn green, wait for there's no cars to come, and go across the street. And I got a text from him five minutes later, and it just said, I can't do it. Like, he could not bring himself to cross that street. So I I picked him up, and, and we went, and he was a little late. And he's not that person anymore. But back then, Arden would have just been like, yeah, okay. And then she would have, Arden would have wandered into traffic if she thought it was, like, what she needed to do. She's different. And is that her or her diabetes? You know, Justin, you know, I, I've, yeah. yeah, there's no way to know. I've seen her right. be extraordinarily tough for her age a number of times. And mm-hmm. there is times when I think it's because she's been through things that are just difficult and difficult things just seem like something right. to do to her, you know? So yeah, I think it's one of the, I think it's one of the benefits of Diabetes, which I'm sure that's not a sentence that's spoken often. You know the benefits of my diabetes, um, but anyway, yeah, I, I I think to your to your question, I think it I think it is something to do with that,
1: honestly. Well, because I'm I mean I, I view my life as being like more outgoing to Like, uh, tell me to do something, I'll do it, or I'll figure out a way to do it. And it's just like it, that's just kind of how I grew up, though. So I don't know. I, I can't honestly say it's diabetes either, but yeah. diabetes has dictated my whole life. So I can't say it's not diabetes either. So
0: sometimes when someone's harsh with me, they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, Listen, I've been married for 23 years. You can't <laughs> scare me. Like, you think this scares me? <laughs> You're out of your mind. Right. Absolutely out of your mind. And I add to that, you know, my daughter has type 1 diabetes. Like, there's not a lot that, like, you, you know, you see people get flustered about things sometimes. You're like, Pfft. Um, right. down. this is nothing and it's the worst thing happening to them but they just they yep. lack perspective on it
1: right and just how calm you are I mean from your podcast how calm you are when you're when your daughter's glucose would go low in the at night and stuff like that I was just like wow okay well you know when you're dealing with this yourself like I was I wake up in the middle of my in the middle of the night and my glucose is like 40 and I would freak out you know, you kind of get scared and you want to eat the refrigerator at that point. So,
0: well, listen, I also had the perspective of seeing her have a seizure twice. So, Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. So I have the, you know, I have a little more perspective on that than people who haven't seen that. And do I want my daughter to have had a seizure? I don't, but I am calmer now with a 45 blood sugar than I was before I saw a seizure. Now I'm like, Oh, at least she's not seizing. Let's fix it. You, You know, um, I think everything's like that to some degree. You just got to keep having experiences that you can kind of build on top of. Of course, with diabetes some of the experiences you have to have are frightening and scary, <laughs> but but oh, once, yeah. you know, once you have them, you're better off, I think.
1: All right, Justin, so listen. In 98. Oh, go ahead. I
0: was just going to say I'm having more t- fun chatting with you and we're not getting to why you why you wanted to be on the show. So, um why uh you know, you you, you were very direct and you wanted to be on, and so I was I'm excited to hear what you have to share with people.
1: Well, I mean a, a lot of this a lot of this is spawning from like my diabetic retinopathy and this this new uh, neuropathy thing stuff that's happening to me it just I don't know I feel like I'm losing control so I want to gain that control back by getting this new endo and stuff like that but um, it's I don't know. It's it's a flood of emotions cuz when you when you've got it right, you feel like you're on top of the world, but when you don't have it right, you feel like your life's crumbling around you.
0: And you're saying so when you see a blood sugar that isn't what you're hoping for, it feels like it's hurting you, like like well, but psychologically.
1: Some days when uh, like you know, glucose is high and say like right around 200s and it doesn't matter how much insulin you give it doesn't matter what you do it just doesn't seem to come down it do, you can't get it to a norm so sometimes that stuff can be really frustrating but you got to realize that it's going to kick in you're going to give enough insulin things are going to happen things will finally start moving once you know everything gets everything gets um, going you your insulin starts to work and everything like that so so it's hard it's hard to trust that, that that's going to happen
0: or it's hard to live in that space while it's happening.
1: Yeah, it's hard to live in the space while it's happening because I mean me I want I want 110 to 100 glucose all the time and yeah. I'm not willing to accept it any other way I guess. So when well, it does go outside and you feel like you're losing that control it's it's hard to control those emotions. Yeah.
0: No, I hear that. I um I gained a little more perspective by using an algorithm because mm-hmm. during the teaching time of that, Arden's blood sugars weren't where I was hoping they'd be either. And right. it, it, you, you know, you, you come, I came to the realization that this, this number is not good with me. I don't want it to be like this, but I think I can get to a point where it'll hardly ever be like this. So it's okay for a minute while we figure it out. Uh, right, and, and, and I've got to realize days, that, that. Yeah, right. I think day-to-day that idea would help you, that more days than not, you're 110, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for the most part, I mean, I'm sitting, as of right now, let me check my watch real quick. As of right now, I'm sitting right at 101, so. That's excellent. Listen,
0: Arden's blood sugar is 70 right now.
1: That's so she, even better, <laughs> in my opinion. Well, she, she headed home,
0: <laughs> this day, I'm going to, she heads into school. Uh, their her French class made different foods, French foods today.
1: Right. So there's
0: a lot of baked stuff and powdered sugar and stuff like that. And <laughs> I, you know, I, I I knew they were taking it in, and for some reason, it never correlated with them eating it. In my mind, I was like, I didn't think of that. Um, so she texts me this morning. So she gets up in the morning, her blood sugar tried to go up and we stopped at around 120 and and it was holding at 120 and getting ready to go back down again when she texted me a picture of like baked goods and I mean <laughs> I, I don't I'm looking at it now I don't know what the heck any of this is and there's like a dollop of chocolate on the plate and a beignet was you know um you know powdered sugar on it, and then something else that's got like icing over top of it. It
1: looks like a ton of carbs, isn't yeah, it? it I like- I,
0: right, I don't know how much it is or uh-huh. isn't. And, and, and the other thing is, Arden's not a sweets person, so I don't know if she's going to take one bite of it and go, "Eh, I don't want this." So right. I just said, "I don't know, bowl us forty five carbs, and we'll like you know for forty five carbs, and we'll see what we'll do." So we did five right. units, and a little while later. I mean, it's not like she texted me back and said, wow, that stuff was amazing. I ate it all, you know? So I just, a little while later, her blood sugar started to jump and I got, a, I got a an alert and I looked and she was like 159 with an arrow straight up. And so <laughs> we just crushed it with a bunch of insulin, you know, like we just threw, right. like, threw like four more units on it. And, um, and I thought to myself, this will work and we need to be ready in the future to take basil away or stop it with food, and so far we've right. been able to stop the drop with just reducing basil. Um, and it looks like we've got it. I mean, she's right at seventy. So I sent her a text while I was talking. To her. I was like, "If you want to eat something, eat. If you're not, don't worry about it right now." Um, but that whole process took, I don't know, two and a half hours, maybe. Like she went from you know one twenty to right. it, it got to one ninety at one point, and and now it's back to seventy. So I to me. The comfort, listen, I can't tell you how to feel, but I think you have to say to yourself, most of the time, I'm 110. I don't want this spike, but I also don't want the psychological damage that comes to me from wringing my hands over it. So I'll just address it the way I know is going to work and I'll move forward. I never look back with diabetes. You always have to kind of be moving forward, you
1: know? Right. And and that's the thing you you can't have. Without, you don't get instantaneous results. I mean, a lot of it takes time, and I got to learn to like accept the fact that it's going to take more time to get some of these sugars under control.
0: Well, how did you get? How did you get to the one ten and the stability? What? What from the podcast or from having the technology helped you?
1: Oh, it was right from your podcast because I had my low parameter set at eighty and my high parameter set at one eighty. So then you're like, well, drop it. So I went to 150, and I got more alerts for a while, but then I, I dialed that in, and that I dropped it to 130. And then that started working, and I was like, okay, so it takes the change to actually prepare yourself and train yourself how to stay at these glucose levels. So um I'm about to switch my upper parameter uh, this week. I think to go to 110. I'm gonna try 110, maybe 120 if I need to. You get, get the 110,
0: while, and you're a baller, Justin. You understand me? That's amazing. Um, I'm,
1: I'm gonna get it.
0: Good for you. I'm at 120 on my phone. Arden gets alerted at 130. That seems to work for us okay. pretty well. Um, but I like I like 110. I, I like to so your goal is to be between 80 and 110 most of the time All that's the, what you're yeah, shooting yeah. for yeah good for you man i'm happy for you that's excellent and, and you're not finding it difficult to do
1: um i mean it, it takes about a week there to i mean because for the most part i'm i'm used to 130 now so by the time i'm alerted at 130 i feel like i could use a little bit more time so that's why i want to drop it back down so i i don't have the fluctuation as much but um do you feel i low think at- going
0: at that number do you feel low at that number
1: no i don't and actually um i mean i'll get to 70 i just started feeling it once i got on the dexcom i started feeling my lows again i used to not feel them at all not even know i mean i was walking around at uh, a glucose level of 10 before i went into a coma for three and a half hours so um never knew you were low Never knew I was low. That was in '98. So uh, I bet you I mean,
0: that's the bouncing around of the blood sugar, that taking away that feeling from you—the up and down, up and down constantly. Your body probably just finds a way to ignore it eventually.
1: Yes, it does. Well, and once I got the stability back, I mean, that's where everything started opening up again. Like, oh, you've got a sweet smell on your breath that I never even would have known. Besides, you know, one of my friends saying that mm-hmm. when I was low. Um, different things like that. It's it's just a a learning in process, you know?
0: Yeah. And and it's a, it's a, you're a great indicator for what we say about, you know, keeping the stability, you know, as stable as possible, right? No bouncing around blood sugars. It's, you know, I think it's silly when people argue, like, it's, it's worse if it bounces up and down than if it's just high. Like, why don't we just, both, why don't we all agree that neither of those things are what we're looking for, right? Right. But everybody, isn't it interesting how people's minds work? It's always either or. Nobody's exactly, it couldn't just be both. How about I want, I need stability and I need a lower number. Like, what, what, why is that a problem to say? But, but I, I mean, you have real things going wrong with you that aren't going wrong anymore. Like the fact that you feel your lows again, I think is pretty astonishing.
1: Yeah, and if if my glucose levels get to like 180, I actually start to get a headache. And there were times when I was 400 and couldn't feel a, a headache. So um, it's a blessing in disguise, really.
0: No, it, that really is interesting, and that, and you don't want the headache now. So so you make the you know you make the the alarm lower, so you have more time to react. And I'll you mm-hmm. know just in case people are hearing it for the first time in 30 seconds, the lower you make your Dexcom alarm, the sooner you find out. That your blood sugars is rising, exactly. right? The sooner you find out it's rising, the less mm-hmm. insulin you need to stop that rise.
1: Exactly. Right. Because you get, for me, when you get over 200, it's going to take double the amount of insulin to get you down. So right. you may as well like attack this when, when you have a, a stronger X, I guess you'd say. And,
0: and Justin, um, when you're using less insulin to stop a high, what is less likely to happen later? low. Right. That's it. Justin. Yeah. You're like
1: well, and and I don't want your listeners to think that I'm perfect. I mean, because by all means, I'm not. I still have crazy glucose sometimes, but it's just managing that. It's it's knowing that you need to react to your your arrows going up or your arrows going down. That makes, I mean, that's the key to the whole thing. It's just just tracking it.
0: I think that it also, since we're disclaimering the statements, um, the other thing is that if your basal insulin is not right, a lot of this won't work. So you, you really right. do have to get your basal. Is that the first step you, you took?
1: Um, well, when I first got on a pump, they were, they, they gave me my standard basal rates. Um, it took me a long time to figure out basals without an endocrinologist there. Uh, I got it down though, um, and I'm looking to go even smaller increments mm-hmm. to where I can I can dial dial my basil down perfect. But once you get it to where you think it's perfect, you, the, it's like a change of season. You go in from winter to spring, yeah. and your glucose changes a little bit. So
0: yeah. I don't. I perfect for basil's is tough. Like I'm more around like just stable, like stable. You know what I mean? Like it, it's yes. working consistently. Um, when you're you don't have food or bolus insulin in you that your blood sugar is staying you know it's not bouncing around like the bouncing around is an indication mm-hmm. you know your basal is probably too high or too low or you know you're you're maybe you're making up for your basal deficiency with meal insulin you don't even realize it um there's a there, but but you said t- it took you a while to dial it in but is that because you were going making a change like every three months And
1: now, no, I noticed like, uh, over 10 year periods, like about every 10 years, I'm going to change your body changes. I mean, for me, this is what I've noticed. My body changes a little bit and I'm going to have to change my basals, um, lifestyle changes. Say you move from one house to another and you got a different schedule. So you're on a different thing. So you have to adjust a little bit or you go from, Summer to winter, and now you're you move from pedaling a road bike to snowboarding in the backcountry. Yeah. And so, like, it's it's a lifestyle change, correlates with the basal rate change for me. Yeah,
0: I think that's I think everybody has that sometimes they don't see it, you know, like sometimes you're you get you get a little busy looking within these few days that you don't see that a, a bigger thing has happened. Um.
1: Right, you yeah. got to look at the micro and the macro at that point.
0: 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. if you ignore one over the other, you're just going to make it an assumption that might be mm-hmm. might be
1: wrong. Or just or even worse, you know, you start ch- chasing glucose levels, so you pump a bunch of insulin for your glucose levels rising, then you go low and then going low, then you compensate for that. And then all of a sudden you have these spikes and dips that you're like, okay, I I can't even control this at the moment. So
0: yeah, once you're behind, you're the only, unless you get lucky, once you're behind and you're chasing, the only thing to do is to just take food out, get yourself level again, start over. That I think is some great, That's a great tip that we don't talk about enough is that, you know, when you're chasing, just bail, like bail on everything. Just
1: stop. Yeah. Just
0: stop and let it find its level and then bring it down and, or crush it and stop it with juice, but don't over treat it. You have to stop the roller coaster to, so you can get off. You know, that's some pretty
1: basic conversation. Exactly. And if it's, if it makes for higher glucose readings for 24 hours, It doesn't matter what it takes, just get back to a norm. You
0: have to find some stability and get out. Now, if your blood sugar is high all the time, see, it's tough, Justin, when you talk about it, because you understand more about it now than you did. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, my blood sugar is always high. Well, that's, you know, there's a way for that not to be like none of you, Mm -hmm. you know, with the exception of people who have gastroparesis or, you know, some other fairly uncommon problems. You know, most of you your, you know, your blood sugar is high because you don't have enough insulin at the right time. So it's not, right. you don't have the special kind of diabetes that nobody can tame. Um, and, and thinking that way is, is sort of, it's, it's like a, a double-edged sword for people. It takes away their guilt because they're like, Oh, this is just what it is. I can't do anything about it. Um, but it also right. makes them complacent about it and they don't try to fix it because they think this is what it is. And,
1: Yeah, Yeah, you got to, you got to take control. You got to, I mean, you got to be proactive in your diabetes. You can't just sit back and let things happen or else you'll end up with diabetic retinopathy or losing a foot because of circulation or something, something like that. And you do really don't want to go to those extremes.
0: And Justin, even if something that horrible doesn't happen, even if something that horrible doesn't happen, you're still stuck in a life where you're always messing with the diabetes. It's always there poking you in the ass. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And like, you're always like bothered by it. It takes that upfront effort to find the kind of balance and stability that doesn't require a ton of upkeep all the time.
1: Right. And I think for me, it was like, realizing that I'm going to have diabetes for the rest of my life. Uh, there's, there's nothing I can do about that. So let's fix what I can fix and not worry about the things that I can't fix. Good for
0: you. Good for you. Um, what else? Is there anything else you did that, that was, you know, key to this for you?
1: Uh, a lot of it was being in a rural place to where nobody had the answer. So it, it pushed me forward to, try to find answers and i think that that's what's helped push me so far and then finding your podcast and then there's having all the all these different like day-to-day things that are happening i was just like this is great because um i i really had no place to go i was trying to search for something for answers and for people who had the answers and it was kind of leading nowhere at times so um To get your podcast was great. How long ago
0: did you find it again?
1: Oh, let's see. This was four. I I listened. uh, I I probably found it three years ago. Wow. Somewhere in there. But I've listened to every episode from your beginning till now. Thank you.
0: And Justin, do you recommend that everybody does that?
1: I think so. And I've recommended it to a lot of people around here because – this lady i work with she's a type 2 diabetic but she just ordered her first set of omnipods so i was just like oh this is this is great if you need any help there's a great podcast out there and then i told her that she can come downstairs and and talk to me anytime she wants so
0: very nice of you good for you i yeah more more and more type twos are using um insulin through pumps so it is becoming more common
1: it's it's like making type one and type two almost the same.
0: <laughs> it, it, the tools, right? At least that you're mm-hmm. using are are similar, which is good for type twos because then there are now more people to talk to about it. Um, you know, before there's a disconnect between the two and they don't really cross over. And type twos do struggle with um, community. I mean, and and wanting to tell people they don't come out as much, I guess, as type ones do. Um
1: yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it appears as though, like, type 1 people are more bold about it, I guess you'd say. Uh, you,
0: you know, you get to say, I mean, think about it from a, from a human standpoint. If you have type 1, you get to say, hey, this is a genetic thing, I didn't do this. And people with right. type 2 are in the same situation, but they're really led to believe that they did it to themselves. And so it's an embarrassment. You don't want to say, oh, gosh, look what I did, I gave myself type 2 diabetes. Like, that's not something you want to run out and tell everybody you you know and and some people have the clarity to talk about it but most don't it's just not it's a very underserved group of people it really is well
1: it's one of those things i've had it my whole life so i don't know anything different but um the people who get it at like 16 or something like that i can just only imagine what they're thinking and inside their head about did i do this to myself uh
0: just even i main, right like like the it's yeah. just unfair which it 100% is yeah i everybody needs i think you need like a super amount of support in the beginning whether it's you and your you know a little kid and it's your parents or if it's an adult or you know a 16 year old you need you need to have people around you right almost like bubble wrap to protect you from your own <laughs> from your own thoughts until you can become adept and i am assuming accepting You know,
1: right. Or if you're people like me and don't have people around you, that that's where this podcast is coming. Great. Because I mean, I didn't have anyone to talk to in my hometown growing up. There was one other person that I knew that had diabetes. So um,
0: I appreciate you telling me that. I really do. Because um, it's still it's strange to me still when I when I go speak somewhere and people come up to me and I, they, they have a real feeling of like, I know you and, you know, I'm, I'm just, right. you know, it's, 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 it's lovely. I I, I really mean that. Um, but it's well, not, it's not, change, not strange.
1: Right. You change lives for people. You really do. And I, I don't think you understand that really. you know, maybe it's just a diabetes podcast that you do or, you know, your daughter has it. So you talk about it, but for people like me it's it's really altered my the view of my disease and how I need to work at it to control it so
0: oh that makes um, me feel good it really does thank you
1: no I, I really do appreciate it and I don't, I don't think I can put it into words to, to have you understand fully but um, yeah he changed my life He really did
0: thank you I'm, I'm happy that it was here for you I, I, I tried yeah. to say to my wife the other day that I I I I separate in my mind myself from the podcast. Somehow like the podcast is a thing. I'm me. And my wife's like, you're the podcast. And I was like, maybe, but it's weird. It's hard to think of it that way. You you know what I mean? Like if, if I, if I joking aside, which we do sometimes, if I, if I start feeling in my soul that I'm the reason that's a weird ego thing, You, you know, like I don't, I don't want that to feel that way. Like I know intellectually what you said is a hundred percent true. I just don't want to, um, I don't know. I don't want it to let, just don't,
1: go ahead, just don't let it go to your head.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't want yeah. it to affect who I am. So I, I don't know if I, cause I listen, it's really, it's wonderful. A hundred percent. You've said it to me in person. I've gotten three Instagram messages and three emails this morning already. And it's oh, really? not even cool. one o'clock in the afternoon yet. And if I read every one of them going, look what I did again here, you know what I mean? Like it would, right. it would just, it's weird. So I, I don't know if it's, I don't know. I can, I take it to heart and I believe you. Um, I just don't know how to, I don't know how to respond other than to say, that's very nice of you. Thank you. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and, and from my perspective, I'm glad you, you segregate those because then you don't let it go to your head. I mean this podcast would be over in a year if you let it get to your head you know what i'm saying <laughs> just
0: come on every week and i was like hey scott's back again to tell you the magic about diabetes you're gonna hear it because i know what i'm talking about and you don't like yeah you, mm-hmm. you don't think that would go over big <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, uh, and you know
1: what well, and it's then funny you'd be like... go ahead i'm sorry well then you'd be like well here's the omni commercial <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> now buy yourself an insulin pump and get out of here you <laughs> silly kids no i um I think that that doesn't work because it wouldn't resonate with anybody, but also it wouldn't work because it wouldn't genuinely be how I feel. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like a a huckster who talked you into using insulin. I'm just talking about what we do and and that I realized one day that it's not just diabetes and this will really work for most people, so…
1: You know, well, and and you let everybody in on your life, you, you and your daughter's life, you know, and that to me is big is because like, it's not just something you do and talk about because this is what you know about or what you've been trained to do. This is something you're doing because it's part of your lifestyle. So I think that's where it, it shines too, is because these are real world scenarios, real people, and this is really working for your daughter. So. No, I'm I glad. mean that to me is great. Thank you. I uh, yeah,
0: I listen, I'll feel good all day from talking to you. So you've done you trust, should. you've done as much for me as I've done for you. Seriously. I really appreciate <laughs> all will. the people listening. I and it's might sound weird, but I've said it a million times. This podcast helps me in a bunch of ways, probably more so than it helps the people listening. So I'm right. ch- I'm chatty. It gives me a chance to chat. I like that. Um it helps me think about diabetes so that I can help mm-hmm. so that I can come up with new ideas for my daughter um it, it it you know it lets me get out sometimes anxiety and stress I I did an email or a, an episode the other day and like I I I cried while I was saying something and that's got to be good for you you know just getting yeah. stuff like that out all
1: right when you know it touches your emotions like that, you draw in the audience to to believe and trust you as well. And and it takes a lot for diabetes to be able to trust somebody else. So,
0: right. Justin, tell us what you're doing. I hear the smacking in the background.
1: Oh, I've got a little plastic egg that I was playing with. So, <laughs> are you nervous? No, I just uh, always keep active. Gotcha. Excellent. Well. I mean, my desk at work. I stand all day, so.
0: My desk goes up and down. I've stood done the podcast a couple of times. I can't, mm-hmm. like, you know, you have to stay near the microphone. So sometimes you'll hear in episodes where I'm, I start having too good of a time, and then all of a sudden my voice goes over here like this and comes back again. So, mm-hmm. I, But it's hard to know what to look at because I'm trying in, like, you're telling me your thing, right? But I'm right. listening to your thing and then also thinking about how to direct the show. And so sure. if something yeah. catches my eye and I miss 10 words, I'm, I'm in trouble. You, you know what I mean? So I try not to have too much on my desk to take my attention away. Uh,
1: well, and that, I mean, the little egg thing for me is kind of funny because I remember the podcast where your dog was in the background making noises. Yeah. And it just made me laugh. I mean. <laughs>
0: I, I moved the setup. Uh, I couldn't. Like, I was like, oh, I can't keep doing it. And by the way, for the same reason, like, I'd hear the dog. And then I'd think, oh, they're going to hear that on the recording. And I think, oh, I don't want that to be on the recording. And then before you know it, you've said eight more words than I don't know what the heck you said, and and yeah. so I was like, I have to go somewhere where I can I can concentrate a little better. Because as you can tell from this episode, I don't even know when my kids are at school. So
1: <laughs>
0: any little bright light <laughs> will probably just catch my attention. Uh, anyway, Justin, I, I sometimes I can't. go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: No, I was just like sometimes it happens. I mean, diversion of attention. It, it's going to happen. So. No, no.
0: I listen. I'm not trying to be perfect here. I think that's obvious. Um I want to thank you. We've been talking for over an hour. I really appreciate that you uh, that you came on.
1: Oh wow, it has been an hour. So cool. Did yeah, you, well, thank you, you for, for having fast. me. I appreciate it. Good.
0: Did you have a good time?
1: Yes, it was great. Thank Excellent.
0: you. No, I I really I I swear I I'm very appreciative of what you said and I'm glad that there's somebody in Wyoming who knows about this now who might tell somebody else one day. Like, I mean, I don't know. You probably only see a human being every couple of days, but eventually you'll bump into one that has diabetes out on the plane. While <laughs>
1: well, you're walking uh, around. there's been, let's see, there's been more than I can count now, uh, people that I've diabetics that I've told to check out your podcast. Oh, so. I, I appreciate that. Very there's going to be more of us Wyoming people listening to you.
0: Thank you. I'll, uh, eventually I'll get all 50 of you. I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know how many people are in Wyoming but
1: hey there's more pronghorn antelope in Wyoming than there are people so I
0: didn't even know that was a real thing
1: No it's true <laughs>
0: Wait a minute now you're not getting away horned antelope well, Google agrees that it exists hold on a second
1: There's there's more people in Denver than there are in Wyoming It's interesting it looks like
0: a furry deer but it's taller than oh, yeah, the air, yeah. isn't it? Yep. Wow, it's huge. Do they hunt those?
1: Oh, yeah. There's a hunting season out here for them.
0: Yeah, before they, t- before they overtake you guys, I guess. you'd. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and every year they do the pronghorn antelope hunt. So you'll get all the celebrities that come in and pay high prices for out-of-state tags and licenses and stuff. So. Okay. Yeah. Name a celebrity that's our- come there
0: and-, and hunted a pronghorn antelope to your knowledge.
1: Oh gosh, I uh, you had to ask me that question. Don't, don't put this on the podcast because I don't know any uh, celebrities, okay. the so. antlers. The mm-hmm. antlers are beautiful, aren't they? But really like something. when they're fully developed, they almost look like a heart.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at that, but that's really something. Mm-hmm. Oh, how they mm-hmm. kind of come together at the top, the left to the right. Yep. All right. Well, listen. if you
1: look at it, like over the back, over it, it looks like a heart almost if, right. when they're fully developed. So go
0: support the sponsors, and then go check out a pronghorned antelope. They're really kind of beautiful. Um,
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: But not before you order your no obligation yes,
1: demo of the, exactly. of the OmniPod.
0: <laughs> Please do that first, so I can keep doing the podcast.
1: OmniPods um, and Dexcons, and I uh, also um, also
0: touch by type one um, contournextone.com. Listen, the ads, the ads are a good sign. It means that you guys are listening and, um, and that people know you're here. So that's, uh, that's really great. Actually, I, I swear I could not do it without the ads. I, my wife would look at me and say, (laughs) go get a job buddy right now. Yeah, exactly. um, It's
1: time for you to leave the house for once.
0: Yeah. Either move out or make money. I think is what she would say to me. (laughs) So, um, there's another way the podcast helps me. I get to stay, I get to do my, my, stay-at-home dad thing more often you know because I don't have that's to leave wonderful. the house to work so I appreciate you guys a ton I, there's probably no way for me to um, to adequately adequately say that but um, but I really
1: hey, do we, we appreciate you as
0: well oh, Justin that's enough of you saying nice stuff to me it's making me uncomfortable um, uh, okay. <laughs> all right, you go uh, build a TP or whatever it is you're going to do and I will yeah. uh, I will go downstairs and make sure Arden's not mad at me first things first Let's thank Justin for being terrific on the show. Secondly, thank you to the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, which you can find out more about at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Thirdly, touchedbytype1.org. Fourthly, T1DExchange.com forward slash juicebox. And fifthly, Justin said the most adorable thing when the recording stopped. And I'm so sorry the rest of you didn't hear it. He's like, how will I know if this is going to be on? Like if it'll make it to air? I think he was worried that it wouldn't be good enough. Justin, I've never made a bad podcast in my life. Boom, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Juiceboxdocs.com, diabetesprotip.com. These are just some offerings from the podcast that you can have for the free. Check it out! By the by, the private Facebook group just for Juicebox Podcast listeners has skyrocketed to like well over five thousand members, and it is still as homey and kind and lovely as a place as it was with a thousand members. It very well may be the nicest place on Facebook. I'm not making that up. The page adds forty new members a day. I'd love it if you were one of them. Okay, that's it for today, kids. Hope you had a good time on the podcast. There's going to be more coming up. Don't you worry.